welcome to Alaska Daily Weekly, a recap and review podcast of the serious television show, Alaska Daily. I'm your not-so-serious host, Ali Liu, born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska, currently trying not to melt in Los Angeles with my partner and producer, Baldev Sandu. Hi, Ali. Hi, Baldev. Today, we're talking about episode four called The Weekend. Weekends! Woo! How's your weekend, Allie? Halloween weekend has been off to a great start. We started early. We started on Thursday. We went dancing. That's right. Allie and I went and saw a concert on Thursday. We saw a band, a cover band called Pink Talking Fish. It does like a mashup of Pink Floyd, Talking Heads, and Fish. And opening up for them was a band called Black Crystal Wolf Kids, also a cover band. They do all kinds of like early to early 2000s kind of indie pop stuff. Yeah, Super like fun. Tumblr era. Yeah, it was fun. It was like just like a fun night celebrating songs that everyone loves. Yeah, we danced our faces off. That was such a fun time. Yeah, and didn't plan on going out that night, but our friend, our friends Willie and Monet were going to go out, and they were like, you guys come in? And I was like, uh, man, if you're going to twist my arm like that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, because I was sick. I was sick at the beginning of the week. Felt like shit. Yeah, and like you were feeling better, and you were like, I just want to shake this off. I was like, all right. Let's do it. Hell <laughs> we yeah. We sure did. Um, it was super fun. I'm so glad we went. I'm so glad we went too. And then Friday we we got day dr- little day drunk. Got a little day drunk. For sure. Uh, <laughs> clocked out early. Clocked out early. <laughs> well, we had our Costco pizza failure. That's right. We tried to go to Costco to get a pizza because um, Costco pizza is sick. Costco pizza is great and so cheap and you can basically live on it for two days. Um, yeah. And we had a lot to do this weekend. So that was the plan. And I totally forgot that you needed to because uh, I'm transitioning from um, purse to full time fanny pack. And How's that transition going for you? I, not fast enough, apparently, because I had not transitioned like my health insurance cards and my Costco membership card from my purse wallet into fanny pack compartment. Good thing so- we didn't need to go to the Costco doctor either. <laughs> Wait. The it's co- just like 10 doctors see you for the price of one. <laughs> it's like a bulk doctor's visit. <laughs> Colonoscopy at the same time as an eye exam, as a, at the same time as your ear exam. Yeah, they really get in there. Oh, I'm not into it. That's terrifying. Well, good thing uh, we didn't need to go see the Costco doctor. <laughs> we just wanted Costco pizza, but they didn't. We waited in line. We waited, we waited in line in so long. long. Well, first of all, we had to park in that fucking parking lot, which we takes had to park a at year. the far end of the parking lot because it was like mm, like five thirty on Friday. No, Peak Costco no, hours. we we cut out early. It was like four o'clock on a Friday, but everyone else seemed to have the same idea. That's true. They, and they all went to Costco. They all remembered their Costco cards, and they all got. I think it's bullshit. I think that you should be able to buy Costco pizza and Costco hot dogs without a membership. You didn't you have used to, to be able to do yeah, that. Yeah, because I remember in high school we would go to Costco for lunch, and none of us had a membership. All of us were literally children. Before we had a membership, we would go to. Costco to get pizza. Yeah. And then we get up to the front of the line and they're like membership and you're like, fuck, it's so embarrassing. It was just such a shameful First feeling. time at Costco? <laughs> then we were just like, okay, whatever. We still want pizza. We went to the store next door and got two Red Baron frozen pizzas and had a party. It was awesome. Yeah, I love it was Red perfect. Baron pizza. It was like parents are out of town. You have a friend over. Those were the vibes for sure. Yeah. It was great. Except we're in our 30s. <laughs> So parents are out of the house for sure. Yeah. So then on Saturday, uh, Allie and I just kind of had like a chill day, but also like kind of like a personal errands and personal projects, productive kind of day, hung out, hung out in our living room. I love when the light comes through our apartment window 
and it just lights up the whole room. It feels really nice, except I was sitting right in front of the window, and it was just blinding me the whole time. And I was, like, trying to work and, like, read all this stuff on my computer, and I was like, I gotta, happening. I gotta close these blinds, but it looks so nice, and it's like, I could move, but, like, no, I like sitting here, and I spilled a ton of coffee oh all over everything. Oh my god, you spilled so much coffee, and guess what? It went everywhere. It flew. I've never seen coffee travel like that. I like knocked over my cup and it got on the table, the chair, the window, the wall, the floor, uh, an electrical outlet, a power strip. I was like, what the hell happened? It was crazy. And then, we, and then after that, we l- stopped working. <laughs> yeah, I was like, fuck. I, like, I spent like an hour cleaning that up. And after that, I was like, any will I have to get any work done is gone now. So we watched uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, which was pretty sweet. Yeah, we watched the original Nightmare on Elm Street starring Johnny Depp. Yeah. Well, he, it wasn't even starring Johnny Depp. Johnny introducing Depp Johnny introducing Depp. Introducing Johnny Depp. That's right. Yeah, it was good. Holds up. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen that one. So it was fun. It's really scary. I still got pretty scared. I yelled out a couple times. I am particularly homesick today. Feeling homesick? I am feeling super homesick because Halloween in Anchorage right now, my goddaughter Mochi is Ratatouille. And you hate rats. I, I hate rats. I hate all rodents. Like squirrels, get out of here. Raccoons, I hate your hands i can deal with spiders i can deal yeah. with like any the bug. centipedes and the millipedes oh, I, yeah creepy crawlies yeah, but no just, no rodents no rodents what rodents. is it about rodents <gasps> and they're just like their hands and their flesh tails and their teeth and they're they just reek of rabies and sickness my brother got uh, bit by a dog one time when we were kids my middle brother Manraj, he got bit he was like out playing with his friends and a dog was on a walk with its owner and the dog bit him he was fine but we just called him rabies boy for a solid couple weeks after that we got into a fight at a bowling alley at my other brother's birthday party we put his name we were doing uh, like you know you enter your names to keep the score and everything yeah. and we entered his name as rabies and then we got into a fight at the bowling alley and ruined my youngest brother ajit's birthday party well, I don't have a problem with dogs, but I have a problem with rodents. But rabies. Rabies. <laughs> that fell off a little, but I'm glad I know that story. Yeah, I don't think I ever told you that one. I don't think it's ever come up. But yeah, Mochi was uh, your your niece dressed up as Ratatouille. My Even goddaughter. Even though you hate rants and you the, thought she was so cute. She was the cutest and she is handing out full-size candy bars. What's she handing out? She's handing out Toblerone and Hershey's bars and M&M's and Reese's Cup. and Toblerone is awesome. Toblerone is elite i always think of my mom when i see toblerone because Why? my mom traveled all the time and she would buy toblerone at the airport and we when we would see her again she would have her leftover toblerone and give it to us there you go a little bit of toblerone is better than no toblerone yeah looking back it was just her trash <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it wasn't for us it was just whatever she was like, mommy's she- done <laughs> I'm so homesick, and but it's so funny because Halloween in Alaska, trick or treating is like so pointless because no one knows what you're dressed up as because you have a fucking snowsuit over your princess costume. <laughs> <laughs> so How many have, times is it is it is it common that it snows on Halloween? Um, it usually has already snowed. Uh huh. Um, and if if not is snowing on Halloween and so yeah Man. you just you have to bundle up and I'm like the worst at Halloween I as an adult I'm terrible at it that's why we've been hot dog and hamburger for five years in a row but I can't Look, like those I are can't solid do costumes <laughs> I like you know it's not it's not the most creative choice but it, it's a fun choice remember you know? when we went to our friend's burlesque show at that dun- sex dungeon bar across from the Paramount across- lot where all those executives probably <laughs> take their mistresses and their secretaries <laughs> yeah yeah for sure the 
probably like an underground tunnel from the Paramount and lot to, was it Por, Por Vu? Was that what yeah, it was called? Yeah, it was Por Vu. And everyone was just out to have a sexy night. Everyone like, was dressed up everyone super sexy. Everyone was so sexy. And you and I showed up in our hot dog and hamburger costume and we're dancing. Like, you, you could sense how pissed everyone was. That we were They're like, you guys are bringing down the average. <laughs> we have ru- we ruined every photograph. Every yeah, like all the guys are dressed as like the Dracula. Joker. Yeah, like, like the, the Joker. Joker had just come out and like every dude is just like hair slicked back, red fucking suit, like an asshole. <laughs> oh, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. No, but the worst one though, the worst one, the, the one that made me the angriest that day was this guy who like clearly just like showed up from work, maybe even an executive from the Paramount lot, like still <laughs> in his like button up and his slacks and all that, but he just like had like white face paint on and like that was it. It's like, I'm a ghoul. Like, I, I barely <laughs> tried to come to this, like, fucking burlesque show and, like, we, look at titties and I put white on my face. Am I allowed in? He should have just not worn a costume. Yeah, dude. You, you would have been better off not wearing a costume. You, you didn't even try. One of my most prominent Halloween memories, I think, was when I was in fifth grade. Me and my brothers, we, we, like, we all went out trick-or-treating with the neighborhood kids. And my brother was dressed as a pirate and he had like a black and white pirate hat on and like we're running down the street and it looked like his hat had fell off his head. And so I picked up this black and white thing on the ground that I thought was his hat and it was a skunk. (laughs) The skunk sprayed me and I just like I dropped it and then I just kept I kept trick or treating the rest of the night. But I smelled smelled like shit. I smelled terrible for like like, a couple days. No, I was like a zombie, I think. Perfect. Um, you smelled like what? <laughs> you yeah, smelled, smelled like, like a dead. dead body. You smelled dead as fuck. Yeah, so. and I smelled at school the next day. Oh, no. Yeah, I think, like, the nurse called my parents. Um, they're just like, look, like, your kid stinks. <laughs> You're like, that's racist. <laughs> look, it's it's different from that curry smell he normally has. <laughs> We're not sure which one we prefer. Yeah. Cut to now nurses bring Indian food to school for lunch. <laughs> Is that Trader Joe's? <laughs> the cafeteria is just serving Indian food. I would, oh man, cafeteria slush is just like imagine eating chole like just like like a like a slop. I would never eat Indian food from a school cafeteria. But yeah, that was that was my most intense Halloween weekend, a Halloween memory. Uh, everything else is pretty standard, I think. One time, I went as Snooky. Yeah? What was your costume? How, how did you dress as Snooki? Um, I just wore like a leopard dress and then did a poof and then got wasted. And I had like the glasses on. That was like the, fir- like the first year of Snooki. I uh-huh. was one of many. Yeah? you ran- Did you run into other Snookies that oh, night? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Did you guys fight? No. It was all like, oh, my God. Like, you know, drunk girl Halloween energy. All kinds of fun Halloween memories. Uh, tonight, we're going to meet up with our friends, uh, Jake Ban and uh, his, his girlfriend, Juliet. Uh, we're having dinner with them, and that'll be a nice end to our fun little Halloween weekend. Yeah, it's great. We're, we give Jake Ban fish. Look how much you get mentioned on this show, Jake. You know he complained what? so much that we didn't mention him, in, mention him in the first episode, and I'm pretty sure his name has come up every episode since. Every episode, yeah. So fuck you, this Jake. is for you, guy. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, see, yeah. you, see you tonight. Um, uh, let's dive into our episode, huh? No, I was going to say... No. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, every time we come home from Alaska, we make sure to bring Jake Band some fish. Tonight, he's going to make dinner using yeah, he's that making fish, some of the fish. And he doesn't know that we have more fish for him from our last trip. So, how nice it is to be our friend. How nice it is to be Jake Band. <laughs> 
Um, do you want to dive into this recap? And now we'll dive into the recap of episode four, The Weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> The Weekend. Oh, yeah. That's, this is my favorite Twitter account. It's just like, it's from when Daniel Craig hosted SNL and The Weekend was the musical guest. And, you know, he, the host introduces the musical guest. So it's like, ladies and gentlemen, The Weekend. And there's like a Twitter account that just plays that three-second clip every Friday around four or five o'clock. And it just makes me so happy. So happy. <laughs> and this you episode sh- you of show Alaska me Daily. Every time. I know. I I retweet it every time. I send it to Allie every time. I'm like, baby, baby, look, look, look. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. <laughs> oh, I love it. It brings you so much joy. Oh man. What a good like feeling. Like the weekend. Like the weekend. Let's dive into Alaska Daily's weekend then. Episode 4 of Alaska Daily is called The Weekend, but nobody seems to be taking any time off. Stanley briefs all the reporters on their assignments for covering the Alaska State Fair, which is kicking off that weekend. Yeah, he goes, uh, he gives Claire entertainment, right? Well, no, what I like about it is that the reporters choose what they're covering. Yeah, everyone's like, everyone's excited about the State Fair, and everyone's excited to kind of pick what they want to cover about it. Like, uh, Claire, Claire's doing entertainment. Yeah, she's like, I'll do entertainment. Headliners, Hootie and the Blowfish. I'm a fan. And then Yuna's like, I'll do food. No. I'm going to cover Denali Cream Puffs. Doesn't exist. I wish it did. I would um, be delicious. And then my favorite was Bob, who was, like, very proud that he was chosen to judge the J contest bob's got the best gig this episode for yeah. sure i you know what i'm gonna say it i'm I, i'm i'm really starting to like bob yeah <laughs> yeah i'm coming around to bob too now honestly and the exciting thing in this episode uh for the characters uh since austin's out of town on a story somewhere they in let Bethel. gabriel yeah. they let gabriel cover the fair too as a reporter and he gets to do the cabbage contest yeah he's uh it's which is true uh, at the alaska state fair there are these huge giant vegetables and like the biggest vegetable wins first prize and like they're enormous we'll post pictures of this it's Quite something. How many times have you been to the Alaska State Fair? Um, I actually have not been to the fair very much because it was in the summer and we always traveled in the summer. Last time I was at the Alaska State Fair was in 2009. No, How was it? 2008. Sep- yeah, September 2008. Cool. What'd you, what'd you do? Uh, I got wasted. <laughs> All right. It was bad. Um, I was in a show, and the cast decided to go to the Alaska State Fair. I went. I ran into my ex. I got wasted. For well, I got wasted, and then I ate a bunch of corn fritters. And then the teens had to drive me home from the cast. What a role model! <laughs> hey, girls, this is what you have to look forward to. Keep it up. You can be just like me. <laughs> were they mad at you? No, they were like, "Oh my god, she's so cool." <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, their parents like, don't talk to that lady anymore. I would love to go to a state fair. We should go to a state fair. Yeah, I want to just like eat a ton of food. Fair food is crazy. They literally just fry butter. There's been like, I've I know, seen... they're like mad scientists of frying things. Yeah, I saw fried milk once. <laughs> That's Ugh, disgusting. It's so gnarly. But yeah, and everyone's really excited about it. Then Eileen comes in, she's like, yeah, Eileen poops all over this. She she makes so many comments, but luckily, like Stanley kind of cuts her off yeah, he each time and then like kind of sure. uh, has her leave because nobody needs Eileen raining on this parade right now. Yeah, Eileen is trying to work all weekend. And yeah, she's trying to drag Roz into working on the case, but Roz is like, nah, I got a basketball tournament. Um, but Stan- Stanley congratulates uh, Eileen and Roz on their story about Durkin. It's getting a lot of views, and uh, the city council is actually suspending him. Because of the story. Because his corrupt ass got exposed. His corrupt, racist ass got exposed. 
Which, you know, which now this win is followed up by a nice little uh, package for Eileen that was left at the front desk of the office. And in it is a ring box. And in that ring box is a bullet. Ooh, not a ring. A bullet. And a note that says, go home. What would you do if you were mailed a bullet? Like, in resp- like you, let's say you do some jokes. Like, at your next comedy show, you do some jokes. Uh, somebody, did, like, a heckler heckles you. And then you'd, like, you, you know, you talk shit and you destroy them, whatever. As they say in those videos, comedian destroys Heckler. Clickbait and, nonsense. Yeah, so you do that, and then you go home, and there's a bullet mailed to you. Well, first, if it was in a ring box, I'd be like, finally, Baldev is proposing. And um, then you open it, and it's a bullet, and you're like, Baldev. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, just throw it at you. <laughs> Comedian kills boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's scary. I don't know. I mean, like... I would be so scared. I'd call my parents. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like a lot of the stuff that Eileen goes through when we talk about it, you say you would solve it by calling your parents. I call my parents too much. <laughs> I call my parents too much when anything is going wrong. And my mom's like, mm, are you not 35 years old? Why are you telling me? When we go to the airport, I text them at airport. And then when we get through security, I text them through security. When I get on the plane, I text them boarding now. I know. We're going to be like senior citizens texting our parents when we're still getting on planes. Yeah. So uh, the staff uh, jumps right in to the state fair. They start covering their stories. They're having a great time. And Eileen holds up in her hotel room and she's working on her book. Like she cannot take a break. No, she just goes home and works on her side project, her five to nine after her nine to five, that hustle culture. She's completely unfazed by the bullet threat. She's like, I wear this like a badge of honor. Yeah. And then she and then she gets a phone call from that guy, too, who yeah. like confirms to follow up and be like, in case you didn't know who that was from. Yeah, I really like he's not really scary. He's like really bad at threatening over the phone. He's like, did you get my gift next time? The bullet won't come in a box. And then it's like, dun, dun, dun. I mean, I'd be scared, though, if someone said that to me. It's dramatic as hell, but that's a dramatic moment. That is a dramatic moment. Yeah, it is. How often are you getting, I mean, getting a bullet mailed to you is very dramatic. Fan mail. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, the reporters are at the state fair, and uh, Gabriel is covering his uh, cabbage story, and he interviews Erica Block, who won with a 135-pound cabbage. So while the other reporters are at the fair, Roz is having her weekend. She is playing in a tournament, a basketball tournament. Her team wins, and then they go out to celebrate at Coots, um, and her friend group is kind of pressuring her to talk shit about Eileen. They're all so curious. This big, fancy reporter from New York comes in, and then as they say, quote, try to take her job um and Roz doesn't really play that game she's not like she's like not a shit talker but she does compare Eileen to the Canada geese that come to Alaska for the summer like make a bunch of noise and then just take off I also think that's because her abandonment issues are so inflamed you know and Eileen triggers a lot of that for her absolutely and as Alaskans like I'm sure you've even seen it you know people show up and then they can't hang, you know? Yeah, they can't hang or they, they take leave. the wrong thing away from it. You know, like when you when you meet someone who comes up to Alaska, they're either like so stoked to be there or it's the last place on earth they want to be. Yeah, so they, they, they think Eileen's going to kind of crack after a little while or she'll write her big story and then get a new job and, you know, leave or something. But Roz's friends do commend her on the piece that they wrote on the Mead Policeman. Like, yeah. They're like, that was awesome. And you can tell that Roz is like really proud. Yeah, so uh, Gabriel writes up his story on the 135-pound cabbage. He interviewed Erica at the fair. Pretty standard stuff. And he writes it up and he calls Eileen and asks for help because essentially it's like pretty boring. 
I mean, how, how many words could you write about a big cabbage? I mean, a lot. Not really. If, if you told me to write something about a big cabbage, I'd just, like, rip off James and the Giant Peach and <laughs> replace Peach with cabbage. Uh, and so uh, Eileen, Eileen tells Gabe uh, that in order to write a more interesting story, he should go to the farm. Like, that's where, the, that's where the story is, right? And then he's got all these questions about how to figure it out. And she's like, you're a reporter. Like, figure it out. Like, be resourceful, you know? She's, like, really kind of uh, encouraging him to be independent here. Yeah, but she's also like, she also takes the phone call because she's sitting there in her room. She can't write her book. It's a blank. Yeah, she's staring at a blank page. So it's like the writer's block aspect of it. Like when Eileen is not on assignment and she has to self-generate, it's not working. And so like tensions are mounting. Eileen gets a voicemail from her old boss, Rushmi, from the Vanguard, essentially congratulating her on the story that she did about Chief Durkin, you know, and just tells her she wants to keep an open line of communication. Yeah, she's, she's like, you know, as usual, great work. I'm so glad you found a home there. I'm here if you want to connect. Yeah. So people, like, she's still, she, she was not exiled. She ran away. She did run away, and this voicemail triggers a panic attack in her we have not seen a panic attack since the pilot because we have been busy out in the field and now that it is the weekend and she she can't get any writing done and you know she just got this voicemail that reminded her of this thing she's running away from and she gets into the elevator and these these tourists get on with her and she just freaks out and she like runs out into and like in front of the lobby like she runs past the publisher pritchett pritchett yeah pritchard 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 yeah and she just like faints. She collapses. She collapses by the valet. Smacks Hit. her face right into the sidewalk. And then she opens her eyes in a an ambulance. Yeah, and you know, Aaron Pritchard, he he accompanies her on the ambulance, goes with her to the hospital, makes sure she's okay. She's not very friendly to him though. Well, and she's also like trying to get out of the ambulance. So like, ma'am, we have to take you to the hospital. We have to figure out what happened. She's like, I know what happened. It was a panic attack. I was in an ambulance one time. Oh, no. Why were you in an ambulance? I got too drunk at a college party, and then I vomited in front of my dorm. And the crazy thing is, is I'd made it back to my dorm room. Right. And then I realized I forgot my water bottle. On foot? Yeah. Yeah. On foot. I'd, like, walked back. I'd, like, stumbled back, found my way, got in, and then I forgot my water bottle, so I was going to go all the way back to get it. And my friend was like, don't do that. That's stupid. I was like, no, no, no. I got it. I'll be, I'll be real fast. And then, like... <laughs> I just got so sick in the elevator ride on the way down. I like Eileen. R- like Eileen. And then I ran out in front of the dorm building and I just like vomited in a bush. And the security guard at like in the lobby saw that. And protocol when you see a student vomit like that yeah, is just call an ambulance. Yeah. yeah, like so they called an ambulance and they took me and I was just like so sick. Alcohol poisoning? Alcohol poisoning. And then I they, gave myself alcohol poisoning. Yeah, it's it's no fun. It's no fun. And then a huge bill. It is a gigantic bill. Did you have... Did did they call your parents? No. I Well, I called my parents the next day. I was like, I, I'm going to tell you before you find out. Right. They were disappointed. <laughs> they were so disappointed, especially because they're like, we we think he only parties. Right. And I, I look, I was partying, but I was also doing a lot of work. But when you call to be like, look, I had to go in an ambulance. It's <laughs> never like, a good look. God, it's so bad. It's so bad. And then I had to Oh, like, yeah. I'm sure your parents are like, we understand the mounting pressure. Of and... being a film student. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
yeah, those exams where you watch movies must be really hard. Uh, oh, my God. That's literally what my parents think film school is. It can be. It can be at times. There's a lot of technical aspects to it about learning, you know, how to make stuff. But a lot of it is also just like watching old movies and writing bullshit papers <laughs> on them. Like a film degree is not. It's not real. <laughs> it's not real. And I know that's not real because when I graduated uh, from college, like, like our College of Communication at Boston University had its own, like there's like a main ceremony for the whole class of 2013. And then there's like each college has its own ceremony. So College of Communication had its own ceremony and we got our diplomas. And at the end of all of that, I saw someone's diploma just on the ground with a footprint on it. Like... <laughs> Like, within half an hour of getting their diploma, somebody lost it and there was a footprint on it. That is oh how, that, like, that kind of sums up what a film degree is in my head. Um, it might as well have been mine. <laughs> the time I got alcohol poisoning, there was not an ambulance involved, but it was not a good story. I was meeting my boyfriend at the time's friends for the first time, and I was so nervous. I chugged out of a handle of Bacardi, got blackout drunk, and they had to princess and fireman carry me back to my house. No one was home because my parents were at a 4th of July barbecue. But my dad's truck was unlocked. So they were able to get in through the garage door. And then they left me <laughs> in my bed. And my parents came home to make sure I was okay. My cell phone was ringing so off the hook. My sisters walked into my room, which I had vomited all over and so my mom my dad my twin sisters had to strip me naked put me in the bathtub and then they cleaned my room Mm. and it was we have yet to recover (laughs) i was 16 yeah i mean i don't know how you walk that one back i remember one time oh i tried I tried the next morning when I woke up and everyone was like eating breakfast. I was like, oh God, here we go. And I got into a screaming match with my mom on the stairs. And I was like, I don't care. No regrets. Best night of my life. And my mom was like, best night of your life. Name one thing you remember. Did you remember anything? Nope. You know what? Sometimes that's for the best. (laughs) All that to say. I was in an ambulance one time. (laughs) At the at the fair, you know, we're we're catching up, you know, a little bit of small talk between Claire and Yuna while they're watching the pig races, and she's kind of teasing her about, you know, Yuna and Austin seeming to flirt a little bit. Yeah, she's like, "What's going on with you and Austin?" And Yuna's like, "I don't know. He's so nice, but he's got a lot going on with his wife and his kid." And Claire's like, "Just don't overthink it. And men never do." <laughs> Yeah, they they really want this office romance, but yeah. I don't know. Office don't romances know. can be tricky. How do you how do you feel about those? I don't know, but if we're literally in an office romance without an office, we work together, we play together, we do this fucking podcast together, we hang out all the time. So Gabriel goes yes, to the farm. So, so Gabriel Gabriel goes to the farm to follow up with Erica about you know what what goes on at the farm, so he can kind of flesh out his story and make it more interesting, make it pop a little bit more. You know, personality, character. It's a it, you know it's a good good idea from Eileen. And he gets there, and immediately Erica's dad, Brandon, has Gabriel put his phone inside of a box. You know, that's like a house rule. He says it keeps everyone more present and mindful. And so it's like a pretty... You get a you get a little bit of an anti tech vibe here. Gabe is the one who brings up like, well, is it just cell phones or also computers? And yes, Eric is everything. Like everything. He used to work in tech, I guess. That's yeah. what he said. He's he was pretty vague about it, you know. He's like, I used to work in tech, and now I prefer a simple life. And then you also find out that uh, Erica tells Gabe that her mom passed away from like a brain tumor 
uh, when she was 11. And ever the since, dad really... Ever yeah, since then, like, the dad, Brandon, he, like, really has been spiraling, becoming secretive, and kind of doing, like, suspicious stuff. Meeting with, like, anti-tech groups. Like, they have their, you know, fun little meetings or whatever. Just boys in their clubs. Boys in their clubs. <laughs> uh, what, what was your favorite club you were in? I was in music club. Music it, club's fun. Yeah. I was the secretary of music club. I told you this story. I was the secretary of music music club every year. And every year, the vice president and president would just trade off who was president and vice president every year. And then that would determine which of their bands won Battle of the Bands that year. Sick. Corruption. I was going to be in a Battle of the Bands one time in high school. And then we were driving to my friend's house to pick up our equipment to do our audition. And my friend was driving my car and he got us into a car accident. We never made it to our audition. <laughs> That's horrible. What could have been? What could have been? Who's going to play you in the movie? I could have been a professional drummer. <laughs> oh, God. But, yeah, so um, Erica tells Gabriel that, you know, she's just concerned about her dad. He's been suspicious. He's got this extra barn on the farm that she used to, like, play in when as she was kid, younger yeah. as a kid. But now it's locked up and she's never allowed in there. And, you know, again, all this secretive behavior. And before Gabriel leaves, Erica tips him off that the barn door is actually open. He goes in to look around but doesn't really seem to find anything except, like, a bunch of fertilizer. Yeah, which is weird because they are an organic farm. Yeah, and that was their like one whole of the thing... thing was like we use fresh salmon as fertilizer. fertilizer. And so Gabriel goes into this barn and sees all of this like manure. Yeah, and like fertilizer. Brandon immediately like finds him in there and like asks him to leave like right away. So then Gabriel, you know, he gets in the car and he calls Eileen, who is now in the hospital, and he's like, I, I just, I need your help. Something feels weird. And she's like, pick me up. And then she like, bounces from the hospital she just like pulls out all her fucking like cables and like ivs or whatever i to me that seems like a bad idea when people just want to like leave from the hospital and they pull all that stuff off i've done that (laughs) i just feel like i just feel like what if i like like what if fluids come out of me if i do that well i waited to sign an ama which is against medical advisement. Uh-huh. Um, and, then, I, and then you ripped it out. You, so, so you signed the paperwork that said you could rip it out, and then you and ripped then it I, out. And then I, like, well, I didn't rip it. I just, like, it wasn't as dramatic. I did it with the proper paperwork. <laughs> but, like, Gabriel, again, like, this is his first story. It was supposed to be a fluff piece at the state fair, and now it's... And it's, it's turning into this thing, and Eileen tells him, like, ammonium nitrate in fertilizer can be used to make bombs. So immediately this escalates. Right. You know, they don't have proof or anything, but, like, they're like, we gotta, we gotta get more. So Gabriel calls Erica and, like, asks to meet her up. Not, doesn't ask, tells her he's gonna see her at her church the next day, and they meet up. And then she hands him this manifesto from an eco-terrorist group called Genesis that she found in her dad's room. Who then, you know, with Eileen, showed it to Stanley and Bob, and they're like, this is good, but we need to, like, get a direct connection between Brandon and Genesis. And so, you know, go back and figure this out. And so then they go to the fair for the award ceremony, and and Gabriel directly confronts Brandon and he, you know, with Eileen and says, are you trying to make a bomb? How do you even ask someone that question directly? Gabriel did, though. He was just like, yeah, are he, you planning? He, he on- showed up. He was ready to prove himself. This is his first story. He was just trying to do the best thing that he could do. And this thing just unfolded in so many ways. I mean, he his assignment was right up the, about the winner of the Big Cabbage contest. And now he's... Balls deep in eco-terrorism. Yeah, so so Brandon's pissed, and he, like, tries to deflect and, like, you know, dodge the, you know, the these questions. And he's like, that's weird. Why would I be doing that? We're a farm. We have fertilizer. 
Uh, but then Gabriel pulls out the manifesto, and now Brandon's, like, pissed. Yeah, and he's he, like, where did you get that? If the, you got that out of my house, I'm pressing charges. And then his daughter's like, no, Dad, I fucking gave it to him, you weirdo. Yeah, and then, you know, it just kind of... He just walks away. He just kind of walks away. The moment kind of deflates instantly. And then, you know, uh, Gabriel and uh, Eileen go back to the office, and ultimately Stanley says that they can't print this story because there's just not enough to go with but there is enough for them to reach out to their uh contact at the fbi to get this guy brandon block on their radar right so he did a tremendous job yeah even Even though though he couldn't publish he couldn't publish but he uncovered something really important uh that people weren't aware of before and you know he can continue researching you know like eileen encourages him to keep going until the story is published well because eileen says we're not done and then bob is like Bob and Stanley are like, good. Yeah, keep going. Keep yeah, going. and then, you know, Stanley takes him out, uh, Stanley takes Gabriel out for a drink afterwards, and he pretty much says, you're a reporter now. I can't give you a pay raise or anything yet, but, like, you're in, in. addition good to job. your In <laughs> addition to your current duties, you're also a reporter for the Daily Alaskan, and Gabe is like, yay! <laughs> <laughs> a, a promotion without the pay raise. Mm, aren't we familiar with that? Mm. <laughs> but, and then, lastly, at the end of the episode... Uh, Eileen gets a phone call from ex-police chief Connors from Meade, who was there before Durkin, and he arranges a meeting between uh, them, and so Eileen and Roz meet up with him, and he gives them... Well, first he thanks them for, you know, publishing that story. Because he was a drunk. He was a drunk so during his time. So he was completely uncredible. He... Couldn't was, stop Durkin he, yeah. from doing what he was doing as, like, an officer. He took, Durkin took his job, and so then when they published this piece, it, like, freed up that, you know... Guilt, and, like, l- that locked him up, and so he came forward, and he shared the unredacted police report of, for Gloria with these reporters, and so it gave them two more persons of interest, uh, Ezra Fisher and Rija Horn. And so, boom. More leads, they got more places to go and more stuff to figure out. And more forward momentum in the effort to figure out what happened to Gloria Namnak. Yeah. Exciting stuff. I like this episode. I really like this episode, too. I'm so glad they brought the panic attacks back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and you're been, right, Allie. Like, what you'd been saying these last few episodes where when Eileen is busy, she can kind of keep the panic panic attack away. You know, she can keep it at bay. Right. But as soon as she has time to kind of sit with her thoughts, it, it all kind of compounds and it, it hits her so hard. Yeah, and it it builds, you know? Like, she was threatened. Her life was threatened. And she was like, nope, that's a badge of honor. Whatever. Um, Rushmi reaches out. She doesn't answer. The voicemail triggers her. The elevator crashing in front of the publisher that she does not... She is relentless in her effort to figure out what his deal is. Yeah. She is not giving him the time of day, but he also is like a fucking narc. He narked on her to Stanley right away. You don't, I still don't know if he genuinely gives a shit about Eileen or if he's just trying to keep an eye on her. Yeah. It's, his intentions seem a little murky at the moment. Um, If you could give any advice to Eileen right now to handle her stress, her anxiety, you know, these panic attacks, what would you say to her? Honestly, it's like, look, bitch, you have the resources to take some time off and figure this out. Like, what she has, again, is the privilege of time and money. We all have to figure this shit out in real time as we go about our daily lives and try to fucking keep our head above water we don't have time right we like don't we have, have our anxiety meltdowns like between work zoom meetings you know right. like there's no time to be like i can't take this meeting i'm i'm taking a mental health day <laughs> and thank god we work from home 
Yeah. You know, and but it's also like we're constantly playing this game of money versus time. Yeah. And we have to do what we have in abundance, right? Eileen has money and she has time. So she can go figure she can go and sit and process her perceived failure. Yeah. She needs to acknowledge her shame. But I, I also understand how difficult that is because she has so much to forgive herself for. Yeah, it's it's a pretty it feels impossible when when you try to do that for yourself. Yeah, it's like the most selfish feeling for yeah. some of us. You know yeah. what I mean? Like like it, I can't show up for myself unless it's in service of what you and I are doing. Right. Yeah. How fucked is, up is that? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, like it, like earlier this year, uh, I had some health problems. Like my my cholesterol was getting pretty high, and like Allie took it upon herself to like really kind of alter our diet and like cook way more and different kinds of food to like help me manage my my health. Like I couldn't, I wouldn't have done that on my own. I wouldn't have showed up for myself in that way. But like you did for me and helped, and so it's like super grateful for that. Thank. You. Oh, well, you're welcome. I. Need you <laughs> to be around for a while. Yeah. And then my cholesterol got down so much that my doctor was like, I, it's, this is like a miracle. I don't know. I don't know how you got it down this much in this much time, but it is very impressive. Yeah. I can, I can figure out what needs to be done for you. But if it's like, Hey, do this. Cause it's going to benefit you. I run down this checklist in my head of like, well, nobody asked, no one invited me. Um, who do I think I am? I don't have anything to say. It's just like this barrage of just bad self-esteem. Yeah, but together, you know, uh, through all the stuff we do together and including this podcast, we kind of slowly learn to show up for ourselves and each other, you know? For this week's story from the Anchorage Daily News that Allie has her subscription for, (laughs) we have this, uh, here's the headline, a juvenile shorebird tagged in Alaska flew nonstop for 11 days and arrived in Tasmania. This story is by Emily Mesner. Yeah, so the story goes, uh, this is the time of year when Alaska's migratory boards, birds uproot and move to warmer places. And this week, a bar-tailed godwit tagged as B6 completed its migration from western Alaska's coast to southern Australia, a nonstop journey of nearly 8,500 miles completed in 11 days. That bird did drugs. <laughs> <laughs> what performance-enhancing drugs was this bird on? Hopefully they don't find out because then they won't take its record away. <laughs> God, that bird's going to get its picture in the Hall of Fame. And uh, if it fails a drug test, disgrace. I guess. Disgrace. Yeah, disgrace. <laughs> disgrace upon your, on your uh, species. <laughs> Lance Armstrong of birds. <laughs> so um, Lee Tibbetts, a wildlife biologist, uh, has been researching these birds and, and tagged, tagged this bird b6 it's a uh, four-month-old shorebird which weighs just 600 grams or a little more than a pound or slightly heavier than a can of beans so they didn't have to do very many drugs <laughs> yeah like uh one little speck could probably <laughs> i mean you give too many Careful. drugs to a bird and it might explode uh yeah so that's that's like a long flight that's exciting that's like a, a fun little good ex- for you little bird yeah good for you good job <laughs> Making Alaska proud. That's like a crazy migratory pattern, though. And, and so, so scientists are, like, concerned that this might be, like, you know... Again, last week we talked about the crabs, like, global warming, you know, climate change, all that kind of affects these, these animals' habitats and, like, when, where, and how they travel. And so they're just going to see what kind of a trend unfolds from here. It's wild. 
Can you eat these birds? Um, I mean, if you cook it, probably. Or bite it raw. Fuck it. Like, no, salmonella, my greatest fear. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe they're going to bring salmonella to fucking Tasmania as, now. I should go with salmonella for Halloween. <laughs> it's what, the scariest. Oh, how would you dress up as salmonella for Halloween? Like a salmon with glass slippers. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> like Cinderella sa- salmon, yeah. salmonella. Okay. That's clever. That that was fast. You you had that ready to go. Um, Look, I've been thinking about it for a while. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> clearly, clearly. Well, thanks for hanging out with me, Bulldog. I can't wait to hang out with you in two minutes. Yeah, we're gonna we're <laughs> gonna go to a dinner party where the last time we had a dinner party with our friends Jake and Juliet, we hosted them here. We and bought we a, got blackout drunk. We christened our dining table with yeah earlier dinner this year at the beginning them. of the year. Beginning and of the year, we made dinner and we drank four, four bottles, bottles of wine and a bottle, and of, a tequila. bottle of tequila. Yeah, it was like on a Sunday. As <laughs> as is today. Is today so. so happy Halloween, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Alaska Daily Weekly. We'll be back next week with our fifth episode after the fifth episode of Alaska Daily comes out. Bye. Bye.